0: I think we've seen through the past year and a half, we're not in control much of what happens in this world, are we? And how quickly everything can turn and go south. And we're all confused. what what times we're in, what times we're in? What do you think's happening? Someone's in control of all this. Someone's
1: over your life in control of all this. And that someone becomes quite evident as we explore the book of Ruth. Hi, welcome to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Chris Gordon. We invite you to join us as we attack this exciting book full of God's grace and mercy. We're in chapter 2, verses 1 through 23 today. Pastor Chris has entitled our message, God's Smiling Providence, Even in the Midst of Trials and Struggles. Let's check in with Pastor Chris now and today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Let's give our attention uh, to the wonderful
0: word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1 of Ruth 2. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter, So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant, who was in charge of the reapers, answered, She is the young Moabite woman And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over when she rose to glean boaz instructed his young men saying let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her and also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her so she gleaned in the field until evening then she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, This man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. And there will end the reading of God's word. It is really hard to think that God is for us when we are in the midst of what we call dark providences. It is really difficult to think that God is for us. Uh, what's difficult about the study of Naomi is that it's somewhat different than a Job-like figure. I've, I've kind of drawn the comparison a little bit. Job faced many hard things in life. And remember that Job's friends came alongside and said, Man, you you really have a problem, Job. This is your fault that you're in this mess. And they, 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 they hurt him with wounds, remember, Uh, charging him and trying to read God's providences in ways that we just can't do. Uh, Job was a sinner, of course, but this was a far different kind of circumstance with Job. But with Naomi, what's different about the story is we did study the failure. We did study the failure of a family that made a terrible decision together as a family to try to escape God's chastisement upon Israel. And I said last time, chastisement knows no borders. You're not getting away or running away from anything in life. We'll see the consequences of that again today. This is an important point that that the famine that God had sent in Ruth chapter 1, as we open it up. Now, keep in mind the background of Judges as we we, um, read that this morning to understand the spirit of the times, to understand that this was the time when everyone was doing what's right in their own eyes, uh, that the Lord's chastisement was upon Israel. And when you open up that first little section and read there was famine, we have to remember that when God sent these things upon the people, it always had the intention of drawing them back. Very hard times had fallen on them. I think we've seen through the past year and a half, we're not in control much of what happens in this world, are we? And how quickly everything can turn and go south. And we're all confused. well what, what times we're in? What times we're in? What do you think's happening? Someone's in control of all this. Someone's over your life in control of all this. Well, here we have this Israelite family that, was, um, that the Lord had come after. They had made terrible decisions. And what Israel should have done together at this time, what Elimelech and his family should have done, is what the scriptures say all over the place. You sung about it in Psalm 23. Why not trust in the Lord? Why not stop looking to everything else in this life you run to? Why are you looking to everything else that won't deliver you? Will a son who asks his father, heavenly father, for bread, will the father throw down a stone in your famine? And the answer is no. The question then is, would you seek the Lord? Would you turn back to him? And here in the book of Ruth, you know, this this chastising moment we've been studying gets worse. But the beauty today as we move into chapter 2 is, we're starting to see God's master plan unfold through it all. Naomi attempts attempts to interpret God's providence. And she got it wrong even in this. She viewed the death of her husband and the death of her sons as if God was against her. And that's how she lived. In bitterness. Uh, Did you notice at the end of chapter 1 it was a big... Uh, study last time and looking at the three things, four things she says against the Lord. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what the Lord inspires for us. Isn't it? How honest they are. She says, it's exceedingly bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Don't call me Naomi anymore. This is right in the last section at the end of chapter one. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full. Listen listen to this. She still hasn't seen yet. She still hasn't repented yet. I went away full and the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, when the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? She says. She's angry, isn't she? She's bitter. In some ways, I totally sympathize. What a loss! What a loss. But what was the Lord doing? Should he have left her there? Might there be a bigger plan in the work? <laughs> Might the Lord unfold something that's going to be absolutely wonderful in the course of events in providence? and providence? And the book has been teasing us to this end. The book is, it's one of those books in the Old Testament that leaves so much for us to fill in. And the narrator's a master craftsman as he writes this. You'll see this today. uh, Having us to think about how to to understand this book and understand and interpret things. Is it true that the Lord sent her home empty? Well, standing next to her was a little Moabite. What good could she be? Right? What good could she be? Only a mother of Jesus. It's a remarkable story. It's a remarkable story. The author is provoking us to ask questions about God's intentions to us. The author author wants us to think about God's intentions to us. Some of you have faced a lot of bitter providences in life. We call those dark providences. Some of you are in them right now. Is God chastising in his wrath and anger so as to leave you there? Or is he, as Hebrews says, treating his children as sons and daughters, loving you through it? Well, this is the question that we have to look at a little bit today. Um, as we study this story, it should encourage you because in the midst of all of this darkness, in the midst of all of this pain, in the midst of all of this bitter providence, comes three great surprises in this text today. And they are big surprises. They are meant to make us say, wow, what, how, how did she miss this? How, how do we miss these these glorious workings of God? And, the, and this is a great surprising moment of three of them you'll notice here the surprising placement that happens today and the surprising provision that happens today and then the surprising provider that is shown to you so notice that today the surprising placement provision and provider no naomi has entered the land this was a very successful family a family we looked at that um aristocrat. They, they, were, they were of that kind of person. They were very well known. You see it when Naomi walks back in. Everyone couldn't believe that Naomi's back. They were dirt poor now. They have nothing. She has to walk into town, into Bethlehem, the house of bread. The Lord's visited Bethlehem again with bread. She has to walk back in with no food, no husband, no children, and only a little Moabitess. Well, this is where it gets interesting today. What the text does now, what the, the scriptures do now here, is unfold for us the direct and exact opposite actions through Ruth. The results are shocking. <laughs> so so this, is, this, is, this is meant to be studied in comparison. That's how the scriptures often work. And that's what we have here. It's meant to be studied as a giant corrective to the actions of Israel. Who weren't trusting the Lord. All now through a little Moabitess. Which is really pretty remarkable because what a shaming moment for Israel if a Moabitess could do everything better. So here we are in the beginning. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. You have to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. That's the exact opposite of what Elimelech and Naomi did in their hardship. They went to Moab, a field in Moab. I think that was singular. There's a singular field that's being played off of here. They went to a field of Moab. They went to the fields of Moab, whatever it was. Now they've come back and, and Ruth is saying, let me go into Israel's field. Remember there was that little... statement at the very end of chapter 1 and they came back at remember Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest there was a um, in God's providence there was a provision in the law for the poor that at the time of the barley harvest the poor would be provided for lo and behold we're right at that time Leviticus 19 said, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. You look at the greed of our society today and you just say, wow, that that would really, that would, this is amazing. Now they had to go work and get it. But there was a provision for the poor. God provided for the poor. Ruth says, I'll go. Let me go to that field. And maybe, maybe I will find favor from somebody who will help us, Naomi. And I will will go into that field and I will trust, is the emphasis. Ruth um, had already said in the last chapter, I'm gonna go to your land and to your God and he will be my God. There is already faith, even though it's of a mustard seed. There is already faith here. It's remarkable. I will go. He will be my God, she said. That is a pretty neat profession of faith from a Moabite. Your God will be my God. So the imagery here is, is that against all odds? Think about all the difficulties of a Moabite who was really cursed in the land. Says, I will go, and maybe someone will find favor against all opposition. Who knows? I mean, Boaz recognizes here uh, the dangers that could happen to her. Men will go after her. She believes, and she trusts the Lord. Care, trusts in the Lord care for her, and Naomi, Naomi and Ruth have nothing at this point. They have no food. They have no place to go, really. They have nothing. They've lost everything. She's given everything away. They don't even know how they're going to survive without husbands. How many of you are worried about money in the future? It's what we do. Check our accounts every day. How do they look? How do we do today? We live in that fear. They have nothing. Nothing. So Naomi gives permission, go, go my daughter, go into the fields. So verse 3, she set out and she went and gleaned in the field after the reapers and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. I think the narrator was laughing when he wrote that. She happened to come. Does anything just happen to happen in this life? Does anyone believe that stupidity? Didn't just happen. This is the way the writer is is having us think. As the scriptures say, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Man plots his ways, but the Lord directs the steps. Ruth comes to the Lord's field. And she's trusting. In fact, um, this, was, uh, this was really dangerous. No direction, no way of knowing the future, no money, no way of knowing. For all of you young people who are worried about your future and what you're going to do, no way of knowing. She happens to come to a particular field. Now, I haven't opened up whose field this is yet. I'm going to wait for that. You know whose it is, but let's just wait for a minute. The words of the man stand out in verse 8. Look carefully. Look carefully. Do not go glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. What a shaming moment for Israel. (laughs) Do you see the story yet? This is exactly what Elimelech and Naomi didn't do. When everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes, the besetting sin of Israel was they looked to everyone else for deliverance. They looked to everyone else. They looked for all the answers elsewhere, not just for the nations, other pagan nations, to defend them against opposition, but other nations to feed them. And they took matters into their own hands to do what? To find food. And in their hearts, they went to the fields of Moab There's a big reason Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding, acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your paths. She did. I love that the Lord shows us a good way in the midst of all the failures that we see in Scripture. She trusted the Lord. And what happens? He directs her steps. She happens to come to the field of this man named Boaz. And the whole thing is a scene of grace. It's a whole scene of God drawing this this young Moabite and leading her and guiding her. It's beautiful. It pictures exactly what it means to come to the fields of the Lord. What is the will of God? What's the will of God for life? Oh, we know that in terms of the revealed will, but the sort of mysterious things that we're supposed to seek out and try to find of what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to go and where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do in life, often we can't see the road ahead of us. We don't know exactly what the turn will be. We don't know exactly how or where he will lead The story of the book, however, is presented to us as a picture, when I say, of people doing what's right in their own eyes. Ruth is presented as the opposite way of a person going after the Lord's will. Naomi's God told, remember, Naomi told her to turn back to her gods. (laughs) Did she listen? I couldn't help but think, is this, I wonder if this was on Jesus' mind when he was preaching in the gospels and he said in Matthew 13 the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field there's a play here on field that the author is working with keep your eyes on my field Keep your eyes on my field. Hasn't that been the problem of the church? We worry about everything. We worry about the future. (laughs) We worry about our provision. We worry where we're going to go. We worry how we're going to be cared for. We worry about who we're going to marry. We worry about everything. Listen to me. Much of the agony that we experience in life is exactly what we have brought on ourselves. It is that we have not, in many of our choices, lived by faith. Most of our worry and fret is because we've tried to take the hardships and the burdens of life on us and carry it ourselves in our own wisdom, not trusting the Lord to direct the steps even though that's his promise that he'll do that for them.
1: The providence of God, even in the midst of trials, God is orchestrating. He is behind it all for our good and his glory as we're seeing here in the book of Ruth. Pastor Chris, we'll have more in just a moment to close out our time together today here on Abounding Grace. Questions, comments about the program, as always, are more than welcome. We'd love to hear from you. How's the program encouraging you in your walk and relationship with Christ? Reach out to us. Let us know, won't you? Our number is 888-504-8805. Or you can visit us online, agradio.org. Now that is a great resource to have handy. Not only do we have past programs available online at our website, we also have jumping off points to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. As well as recent articles written by Pastor Chris and other friends of the ministry. Again, agradio.org. We also would like to remind you that you're a very key part of this ministry, Abounding Grace Radio. Through your financial partnership with us and prayerful support, we are able to continue this ministry, not only on this station, but others as well. So would you please consider partnering with us financially, whether it's a one-time gift, a monthly gift, no gift is too small or too large. Reach out to us again at agradio.org or... Call us at 888-504-8805. Well, as promised now, once again, looking forward to tomorrow's broadcast as we continue our exploration of Ruth and Naomi. Here's Pastor Chris. Look at the story of our lives. We run from him. We test him. We doubt him. We've
0: taken matters into our own hands. And what does he do? He takes the poor when we have squandered everything. He takes the broken, takes the outcasts, takes the nobodies, takes the foreigners, and he gives you the best place at his table. He fills you with living water. He gives you his son. He gives you Jesus. What do you lack? What do you lack? A kinsman, redeemer, are you kidding We know this story. Somebody bought us back with a price. He shed his blood and died for us and bought us back to bring us to the table, to give us food and happiness and joy and comfort, all because of his kesed, This words all over this book, his covenant loyalty, his loving kindness to a bitter people and showcase before us our two parents of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will.
1: That's tomorrow. Join us then for Abounding Grace with Pastor Chris Gordon. Abounding Grace is brought to you on this radio station by Abounding Grace Radio Ministries.
0: Hi, this is Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido United Reformed Church. I'd like to invite you to our Sunday worship services at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. We have two worship services, 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. We preach Christ and Him crucified with the goal that you would live in the joy of this comfort in the knowledge of the forgiveness of of all of your sins. 1864 North Broadway is the address here in Escondido. We'd love to see you this Sunday.